Hey guys, I hope this meets you well. This is Sam here from the Dad Christian Next Door podcast. It's been a little while since we've been in touch. Yeah, I, I thank God for keeping you. Um, if you're listening to this, I trust that you're keeping well and that God has been with you. I trust that he has been upholding you and guiding you in his paths of righteousness. He's been doing the same for me. Uh, every time, every moment that we're alive is an opportunity, a time to connect with God, to tune in more to what he's saying. He's always saying something. It might be the same thing as he said yesterday, but he's always saying something. And every moment is a moment to come close to him. Uh, before I decided to record this, I, a scripture popped into my mind, and it is Isaiah 59:19. It says, and I'm reading from the King James Version. It says, When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Maybe that's a message for someone. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against. And I, I feel like there is always a flood, right? There's always an enemy. There's always something trying to separate us. Um, from God and his plans for us. Um, there's always something, be it even ourselves, our nature, our old nature, the old man, the old woman in us, looking to rear up its head, looking to regain control. And you know, when we give our lives to Jesus, we're giving control away, right? We're, we're taking it away from the sin, we're taking it away from the devil. We're giving it to Christ and saying, you know what, Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. And sometimes in life, we are faced with situations that want to take back control. But when we cede control to God, when we say, Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, Holy Father, I need you right now. Yeah. The Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against the enemy and put him to flight. So I don't know what enemy you might be facing. I don't know what might be in the way of your relationship with God. I don't know what has been orchestrated um, in spiritual realms to stop and separate you um, from the plan and the love of God. But trust and be assured that when you are in Christ, when you are in the vine, no matter what comes your way, the Spirit of the Lord is on your side and He will lift up a standard. He will lift up a stop, a barrier against the enemy, whatever that may be whoever that may be. I think also it's important that as Christians, we don't become militaristic, right? I think it's very easy to fall into a, a pattern whereby everything is an enemy. But I think it's always important to understand the situation and the seasons for what they are. Sometimes the difficulties we face, they are actually tests that are meant to, how will I say, to purge us, to clean us. Uh, to sanctify us, to separate us even more from the world, from the old man or the old woman. So it's very important that we are able to discern how beneficial a particular process or season is for where we want to go and where we want to be in our lives. Very important. And I've been in such a season and, and that's why uh, uh, we haven't been able to post up uh, the episodes as frequently as we would have liked. You know, we're all called to work out our salvation, right? 
and that's a personal call but as we've spoken a lot about in family matters there is also a family aspect to it and in sharing this with you i'm bringing you in and i'm letting you know that these are things that happen that times do come when you know you do go through tests you do go through some difficulties some situations that either show you where you are and what the potential is or they show you where you are and what you need to improve on right and a test is often a, a piece of information really that tells you something you don't know and the test from god will often tell you okay i know that you're capable of this i need you to know that you are capable of this i need you to show yourself that you are capable of this i need you to actually go through this and come out on the other side and gain this level and gain this trust and then we can walk through this red sea and sometimes it can be that it's just showing you okay well look i think you probably bigged yourself up a little bit too much and you need to go back to the basics right trusting in me loving me loving your neighbors loving yourself and then we figure the rest out together so uh, i think that's a word for somebody and uh, hopefully it is and hopefully someone gets something from it and you know when we kind of look through our lives and we we kind of think okay well when the enemy comes like a flood god will raise a standard what you find is that there are actually many standards that god has created that god has um placed in our lives to repel the enemy the first and foremost of those is himself he has given himself he has given himself in many ways first of all through his presence second of all through his word his word utters faith in him faith in our hearts faith that pushes us and compels us and constrains us to trust in him also he has done things like put us in families and even where you find yourself not in a family particularly a nuclear family in this world in this earth in terms of a father a biological father and a mother and brothers and sisters even when that is absent god is such a god that he will take you and put you in the christian family and he will give you people that will love you and cherish you just as you should be not only that he brings us into his heavenly family so now we find that we are in this family of the father and the son and the holy spirit but then within the earthly family design we have the father as you know mothers brothers and sisters and in those in those structures in those people you find that they are actually standards that the spirit of the lord can raise to repel the enemy so actually what you find is that there is nothing too small for god to use um and there is nothing too silly for god to use there's a saying there's nothing too broke that god can't fix there's no sinner so bad that god cannot forgive we know that god has a penchant for using the foolish things of this world to surprise those who think they know it all there is literally nothing god cannot use for his glory to show you and to show the world <laughs> that he is god and even if you don't see that he is god right now in the moment on the last day it will be exceedingly clear and so it is with this context that i go into this topic i guess um 
culturally, the idea of women in the Bible, um, not necessarily the idea, but we see uh, a tendency that women in the Bible took a kind of backseat. Uh, when the big decisions were being made, when the meetings were being had, it tended to be the men in charge, right? If you think of a lot of the big prophets, the, the so to speak major prophets in the Bible, a lot of them were men. If you think of a lot of the people who were most represented in the Bible, a lot of the people whose books and letters we quote today, a lot of them are men. And so be it. Uh, that's just the culture of the time. Um, if you think of the way that the Bible, uh, the scriptures contained in the Bible pass across their message, oftentimes they are spoken uh, to men, you know, so uh, love your brother, uh, you would often read in the Bible, but that includes men and women. It, it doesn't necessarily state love your sister, right? But that's the intended meaning. So we find a situation in the Bible where there is a cultural leaning towards um, the males, the masculine, um, and a, a kind of preponderance of male figures. That doesn't mean that God looks down on female figures. That doesn't mean that God cannot and will not use a woman. In fact, God has chosen women specifically, specifically to be the method by which he grows the human race. God uses humans, but God uses women as well. I think when we talk about things in the Bible, there is clearly a cultural aspect. That cultural aspect does not overshadow the Bible, but it does contribute to the understanding and the delivery of what is being passed across. I guess if the Bible was written today, you would have notes and scriptures and verses that were a lot more inclusive. Not necessarily inclusive of sinful perspectives, more so inclusive of a more varied character list. So in the Bible, and I'm no expert on this, but you had a male-dominated society. Jesus says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. So. If it so happened that a lot of the people who were in power or who were in control of administrations and organizations and such things were men, then this is how we end up in the situation we are, where we see that a lot of the structures in the Bible were, how will I say, in the control of men. Of course, God chooses people as well, but that is just an important clarification. That just because we don't see a large female presence in the Bible does not mean that God does not want to use females. The Bible was written at a time, an inflection point in history, where the input of women was looked in a certain light. Yes, so be it. But that's, that's the human understanding. God will use what we consider, we being human, consider foolish for his glory. And so anyone who would ever look down on a woman thinking that God would never use a woman, could never use a woman. They're just making themselves resistive to God's infinite power. All they're doing is just propagating human unbelief, the human perspective, the human cultural perspective over God's sovereignty. Family is a standard that the Spirit of the Lord can raise 
to repel the enemy. Sometimes this might be the nuclear family, your biological brothers, sisters, parents, but this could also be the Christian family, the people with whom you share a common DNA because of your belief in Jesus Christ and your obedience to him. That standard includes women. But it's interesting that in the story of the prodigal son, one vital person is missing, and that is the mother. A man had two sons. How did he get them, right? Where is the mother? As already explained earlier, there was a tendency for women in the Bible to play behind the scenes roles. We see that when Abraham got the visits from the angels, one of them being God, Sarah was in the back room. She wasn't present in the conversation, but she was a topic of conversation and she could hear, but she just was not present. We see that when Isaac was about to pass away, he called his son Esau, gave him instructions ahead of the blessing that he intended to pass across to Esau. Rebecca was somewhere in the background. When you look at the story of someone like Mary, the mother of Jesus, there was a point in time when given the circumstances of how she had become pregnant and Joseph was like, well, I had nothing to do with that. Well, he was minded to quietly put her away, to just push her to the side, like she never existed to him. There is an element whereby women can be pushed to the side, like they don't exist, but they do exist. They are a part of God's design. They play a massive part in family. And family is a design intentioned by God. And so women are God's creational intent. Who they are, what they do, what they could potentially be, what they could potentially do. All creational intentions by God. And so I go into this knowing that Jesus told the story of the prodigal son as an illustration of our Heavenly Father. I understand this. I understand that there wasn't some sort of intention to sideline women, not in any way. I understand also that a woman wasn't mentioned and so be it, but women do exist. And the question is, in the prodigal son story, where is the woman? At the beginning of creation, we see Eve. She is the one who was approached by the serpent. She's the one who was initially tempted by the serpent. She's the one who reached out to Adam and shared this idea of eating the fruit. Through Eve, we see that women can have sway. Through Eve, we see that women can be the first line of defense. In this case, she wasn't. She didn't resist the serpent, but she could have. But then also in Genesis, we see God makes an interesting promise. He says, seed of the woman who bruised the head of the serpent. So in this, we see that actually the woman was a standard raised by God to push back the enemy. Women can play important roles. In Genesis 27, the story of Rebecca stands out. Having heard the plans that Isaac has to bless his son Esau, she calls over Jacob and tells him, well, this is what your father wants to do, but if you want this blessing instead, this is what you have to do. And in interfering in the way she did, she altered the course of history. Jacob got the blessing that was intended for Esau and Jacob was renamed Israel and Israel is what we know today it is because of the actions of Rebecca. A woman can't change history. In the book of Judges chapter 4 and chapter 5 we see the story of Deborah 
Deborah, a judge in Israel, a woman, a woman. But if you look at verse 7 of chapter 5, we notice that she was also a mother. She was somebody that the people of Israel would come to for counsel. Somebody that the people of Israel would come to to hear what God was saying. In Ruth, in the book of Ruth, we see an example of a woman who is steadfast, having lost everything, with the freedom and the permission to go live her life, be selfish in a good way. She chose instead to be a close confidant and a friend. So women can be close confidants and friends. In 1 Samuel 1, we see the story of Hannah, a woman who prayed and made a vow that moved God, a woman who made a vow and a promise of giving her son to God and who kept that promise. So women can make promises and keep them. Women can deny themselves for the good of the kingdom of God. In 1 Kings, we see the story of Bathsheba. She was able to act quickly to prevent the kingdom being taken away from Solomon and given to his brother, Adonijah. She went to David on his deathbed and said, Oh my king, did you not promise that you would make Solomon king? Well, your other son, Adonijah, has proclaimed himself king. What will he do about it? And in so doing, David was able to arrange that Solomon would become king. Do you see a trend here? We have the widow woman in Zarephath who provided Elijah with sustenance when there was a drought in Israel. Through her obedience, through her selflessness, she gave Elijah first to eat. And when she did that, putting herself second, God blessed her. We see the same with the Shunammite woman and Elisha, who provided for the prophet, who knew how to reach the heartstrings of the prophet and of God to revive her son when her son had passed. Women can be powerful intercessors. Women know how to reach the heart of God. And so it is this in mind that we come across to the prodigal son and ask, well, if there was a woman in the picture, how might the story have ended? Yeah, what could she have done? This is largely theoretical in terms of, well, this might have happened and that might have happened and, and so on and so forth. But one of the goals of this series on Family Matters is to show that we all have a role to play in each other's lives. And this includes women. Absolutely. We have a role to play in our nuclear families, but we also have a role to play in the Christian family, in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not some abstract thing. The kingdom of God is not some thing that we're not sure about. The kingdom of God is around you. It literally is around you, but you need the right eyes to see it. I don't know if you ever considered that scripture about how there are more widows. You're not fighting the losing battle. You have the cloud of witnesses. You have the word of God ideally written in your heart. You have your faith that God is and is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. But then what more can we do? Well, it would be helpful if we also had each other actively present as an encouragement, showing each other you're not on this alone. Keep the faith. What God has done for me, he can do for you. And what he's done for you, I know he can do for me. There are better days ahead. So what could the mother have done? Well, what do you think yourselves? I know some of us have really incredible experiences with our mothers. And I know some of us probably didn't have good experiences with our mothers. But if we go by what the Bible is saying, whatsoever things are pure, lovely, think on these things. Well then, from the examples we've given 
a number of traits, a number of things that potentially the mother of the prodigal son, the son that went away, but also the other prodigal son in this story, the one that stayed, what could the mother have done? Well, she could have been that standard raised by the Spirit of God to show a better way, to point to a better way, to act on what she could see and what she could hear, to act from her ability to see a blind spot in her sons and to say, okay, you can do this different, you should do this different, and this will turn out better. She could have acted like a Rebecca did. She could have given advice to her son, saying, you know, the Bible says, honor your father and your mother, and your days will be long. The one commandment with a promise, like Deborah, she could have prayed, heard from God, and passed across God's will and intention. Like Ruth, she would have stuck by, through thick and thin, never losing hope, always making phone calls, even if they may not be answered, sending a message, telling her sons they were loved, they were wanted. She could be like Hannah, fighting to make sure that her son, her sons, are raised in the way of the Lord, raised to do his will, raised in the house of the Lord, never to depart, but instead to learn his voice, to know him intimately, so intimately that as we know of Samuel, the Bible testifies of this in 1 Samuel 3.19, that none, none of the words of Samuel fell to the ground, as in God honored every word of Samuel. Now, how does God honor every word of Samuel? One way that I can think that that happens is because every word of Samuel was God's own word. And what's the one thing that God honors? God honors his word even more than his name. The person Samuel was was because of the obedience of Hannah. And no doubt Hannah visited Samuel. She had made the thing of going to Shiloh every year to pray. I'm pretty sure even after giving Samuel, she would have visited him. She would have encouraged him, filled him with love. I guess there is an aspect where Samuel being separated from his mother, from his family, there's a kind of resentment. Well, why don't I get to live the life of other kids? Why do I get to be in the synagogue, in the, in the convent, so to speak? And all my friends are out there in normal life doing other things. Why do I have to go to Bible school? <laughs> huh? Why do I have to be in the temple learning from this old man? What about my brothers, my sisters? Why don't I get to be with them? What about my stepbrothers and stepsisters? Why don't I get to hang out with them? Why me? But what you see is that, or what you feel anyways, is that any resentment was clearly well managed and Samuel was shown a path leading to God. He was sold on a vision that led him to love God totally, wholly, completely. No resentment, no annoyance, no holding back. Samuel clearly gave his life to the kingdom of God. And all that came from Hannah. We see in the story of Bathsheba, a mother willing to fight for her son, a mother willing to remind the king of his promise. She was an intercessor in a way. A mother not willing to stand around while the promise of her son wastes away. A mother not willing to stand around while the potential of her son wastes away. Yeah, that's what a woman would have done in the lives of the prodigal sons. When we look at the widow Zarephath, she gave of her food to Elijah the prophet before even she took of it herself. Even though her express reason 
as she stated to Elijah, was, look, I'm going to cook this, give it to my son, both of us will eat of it, and that's the last that we have, and we've resigned ourselves to death from famine and hunger. She was resolute, she'd made up her mind, but yet she gave the prophet first. This is a woman who was thinking about her son, not just herself, she had put aside for her son also. And it brings me to the story of the prodigal son, a time came when he was out there in the fields, he was feeding the pigs, but he didn't have anything for himself. They wouldn't even give him the feed that they were giving to the pigs. They were essentially telling him, this is for the pigs, you can't have any of it. We want these pigs to be fat, you can't be eating their food. They wouldn't give him. But here, in 1 Kings 17, we see this widow woman. She gave, first of all, she gave to Elijah, denying herself. Second of all, she gave to the kingdom. One of the things you find is that a woman gives to the kingdom. Women, acting in their full potential, give to the kingdom. You ask, what role can women play in the kingdom of God? The first role, being a helper, as God is a helper, but then also being the root by which God increases his kingdom. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The fullness includes every single human being born by a woman. Women have a massive, incredibly important role in the kingdom of God. And God knows this. And God designed it. And God wants it that way. Women are designed by God to have the incredible capacity to deny themselves and to give to Him. I'm not a woman, but I can say with certainty that every woman listening to the sound of my voice, there is a part of you designed by God that He is empowered to give wholeheartedly to Himself what He needs you to give. The most important thing to you, the dearest thing to you, your life, your child, your future, whatever it may be, God has given you the capacity and the ability to give it to Him in faith, knowing that He can do so much more than you could ever imagine or think. You have that. It's built in you. It's been passed down over generations. You can do it. Through your giving, you can reach the heart of God. Through your giving and your sacrifice and your selflessness, you can change the course of history. And that is why I am adamant where a woman present in the prodigal son story, it may have turned very different. Either way, the son who went away did come back and he was reconciled. And praise be to God for that. We have two more examples in the stories of Mary and Elizabeth. Mary, the mother of Jesus, kept herself pure, kept herself totally trusting in God. She never asked for what she was assigned to do, but she took it on and she did it and she did it well. She reminds me in a way of the mother of Samson, who was revealed to about the birth of Samson and everything that needed to happen with him. The things she had to eat, the ways she had to carry herself, all the different tasks, and she did it. And Samson was born, and Samson was who God wanted him to be. But the mother's obedience was important. It's also interesting that the angel of the Lord appeared to the mother first, before ever Samson's father or the man who would become Samson's father ever knew what the plan was. In much the same way, the angel of the Lord appeared to Mary before ever Joseph came into the picture. And when I say came into the picture, I mean before ever he knew what God intended to do through Mary. The fact of it, the point of it being that women can be trusted 
with God's plan. Women can be trusted to carry out God's plan. Every woman at the sound of my voice, you can be trusted to carry out God's plan. You are capable of doing it. It's in you. You can do it. Others have done it, and you can. And so Mary, whenever things would happen with Jesus, whenever people would say, truly, this is the Son of God, what a blessed day for us and for Israel. She would note all this. She would keep records. And a time came, a time of reckoning, Jesus' first miracle. And what did she do? She said to the people at the wedding, the servants, whatever he tells you to do, just make sure you do it. She had kept records. Records in her head, records in her mind, records in her hearts. And she made things happen. She made sure that the people did what Jesus needed them to do. She organized it in the background. She was fighting for her son. I believe if a woman was present in the prodigal son story, that son would have been fought for. Oh yes. Then we have the story of Elizabeth, and this is where we leave it. Elizabeth and her husband, Zachariah, never had a child, had gotten to old age, and then promise came that she would have a child. And things conspired with her husband, and he doubted that the child would come, and his voice was taken away from him. But it was promised that only when the child came, that his voice would come back to prove that this is the doing of God. And so, when the child was born and the child was to be named, there were many people present at the occasion who were adamant that the child would be called something else, something that God had not intended. No, no, Elizabeth would not let it happen. She stood her ground. In a male-dominated society, she said no, and she allowed the will of God to come to pass. She insisted that Zachariah would name his son, would give him the name that God had intended for him to have. And so, Zachariah, with a pen and a piece of paper, wrote down his name will be John. And in doing that, he regained his voice. Elizabeth stood up in a male-dominated society. She stood up to be counted. She favored God's righteous cause. That is huge. Every woman, at the sound of my voice, you can favor God's righteous cause. God's plan can be entrusted with you. You are able for it. You just have to ask him, Lord, I'm ready to take this burden. I'm ready to showcase you. Yes, your burden is light. I'll take it. And that's where I leave it. I guess I should preface as I did at the start that this is all theoretical. There was no woman in the prodigal son story, but women can play a big role in the Christian family, in the kingdom of God. And every woman who wants to do so, be assured that you can and you will be welcomed by God to do so. Thank you for listening and may the Lord God be with you. Amen. You have been listening to the That Christian Next Door podcast. For more information on the podcast, our activities and to get in touch, you can find us on www.thatchristiannextdoor.com or on our various social media platforms, including Instagram, at That Christian Next Door, or at Pure Milk and Strong Meat. Alternatively, you can always get in touch with us by email at thatchristiannextdoor at gmail.com. Jesus loves you dearly. Be blessed.